Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of DraftSite.com and the podcast. We are now within 60 days of the NFL draft, under two months to go. We are at nearly at the conclusion of the NFL Combine, so there is so much to talk about. I am DJ Boyer. Thank you for joining us once again. And we're going to get right down to it. It's just going to be myself on this podcast. We may have another one that's uh, coming up within the next week or so, so please stay tuned for that. And happy March, everyone. It is uh, past midnight that I am uh, recording this, so we are officially into March. So things are going to be crazy, as, of course, by the end of April... Uh, April 20th through April 30th is when the NFL draft will be upon us, and we're going to jump right into the fray. Things that uh, we've seen from the Combine, things to take away. One, uh, there were some reports before the Combine started that this is a process the NFL and its competition committee is going to take a long look at, and I think it's become more and more apparent over the last, I'd say, two to three years that this process is a little bit outdated as far as the testing uh, things like the 40 and the individual drills uh, that, that go on. It just feels like this is a little bit uh, outdated. Something needs to be done to kind of freshen things up, make it a little more modern, make it just sometimes this is a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, we saw that today with the defensive backs. Um, they broke them into two kind of specific groups, and the first group put up some blazing times while the second group actually had to jump first. They had to do vertical leaps and things of that nature before actually doing their 40, and it affected their times. I think the top time in the second group was barely a top 10 time in group one. Sometimes you can run into that where maybe there's just some better people that are kind of paired up in a group than, than others, but it, it was just painfully apparent. Sometimes the order in which these things are done can actually affect uh, a person's time or grade. And now with the, the combine being so visible and the fact that, you know, maybe as, as little as five years ago, you really had to go to, uh, I, I would say, a site like draftsite.com or somewhere where you had to kind of get your information secondhand. Now, Everything is just so media-ready, and the fact that we're in a, a society where you've got your – just everything's at your fingertips. If you're not able to turn on an NFL network or an ESPN or places like that and actually watch these drills going on, you've got writers and reporters that are there. Um, I've, I've been there many a time where they're tweeting out there, they're posting uh, thoughts on their websites and giving you up-to-the-date information on who is doing what in these – um, these actual drills. So it's something that sticks with a lot of people, especially now. Uh, it comes at a good time because, you know, we're, we're about a month removed from the Super Bowl. People are really kind of starting to get hungry again. You kind of have that NFL season. You have the Super Bowl, and you're like, okay, you know, we've had this for about four or five months. You, you want to kind of get back into the swing of things and get ready for football again. And now with the combine, those people are like, yeah, this is what I've been missing. Here we go. Give me some good old-fashioned football. 
And now the whole dance begins. Uh, for a couple months, it's going to lead up to this draft. They're going to build it up. It's the it's a just a huge cash cow. The NFL is is building up more and more every year um, for excitement, and they're going to roll right into um, voluntary workouts and and getting those players acclimated to their new team. So again, no such thing as an off season in the NFL. They do such a good job at keeping this machine moving, but I think it has become apparent changes are in order. Uh, one of the things that's been proposed. I'm sure many of you have kind of seen uh, that four-letter network that I've already mentioned before. They've done some segments for, like, sports science and things of that nature where there's just – they kind of record a play from every angle or sometimes they actually have athletes come into studios uh, and and they're actually putting sensors on them. It kind of gives you more of a feel for what is individually needed – Um, on every play, or sometimes they take a great, great play that kind of sticks with a lot of people, and they show just what is needed to make that play happen or what makes it so special. Sometimes it comes down to hundreds of a second uh, between success and failure and why a play is so special, and they've they've done a really good job at, at showing the actual science of what goes into this. So there's been talk that Maybe that we're going to be able to use some of these modern-day enhancements to make some of these tests a little more relevant. Uh, maybe use readings and studies on, on, on plays that may have taken place during the season. You know, putting a little more value on actual game film and, and what happens in game-time situations. Vice guys who maybe had a lackluster season, and they come in and they have a great workout, and all of a sudden they're like first-round prospects gets a little bit ridiculous at times. I mean, you want to show well. You want to have good interviews with these teams. You want to leave a good impression, but, you know, sometimes just a 40 time. There's just so much emphasis placed on it that it's part of it is just kind of garbage. So I am glad that this discussion is being had. I think we are going to see some changes, if not next year, definitely by uh, 2018. So we're, we're going to see some changes around the corner, and I think it is much needed Bravo, NFL. Bravo. With that being said, going into what we've seen thus far, talk about our mock draft a little bit, maybe some things that we are hearing around the league. First off, I think the Titans are going to be keeping this number one pick. One, just for the fact that it's just harder and harder and harder to kind of shop a a top pick. Number one overall, There's just so much that a team would be looking for in return or to get what they would call light compensation that it's very, very rare that we're going to have other teams that are going to be able to want to willingly give up that much in order to get that number one pick. And again, this is a very deep draft. I think there's a lot of players that are getting a lot of attention and accolades and maybe certain positions that are looked at as being deeper than others, and rightfully so. I I think this is going to be a very good draft class, but still don't know that there's that number one prospect out there that a lot of teams are just going to be going over themselves or being over the moon about actually uh, willing to give up the, the price tag for a number one overall pick. Now, Laramie Tunsil, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss, seems to be the logical choice. Um, we've kind of had him as the number one pick overall for about the last two months in our mock drafts, which we've got another mock draft that is being 
developed right now and will be out within the next day or two on uh, version 13.0, seven rounds deep. And, and I think this is a good thing. We, we see it a lot where either it's the offensive lineman, the bookend left tackle per se, is taken, and then maybe in a subsequent draft you get a quarterback or vice versa, which if this is the area where the Titans are going to go, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see you know, Marcus Mariota, who was the second pick overall last year, and now you get that bookend tackle with Laramie Tunsil. And then with the quarterbacks, that's where, that's where things get interesting. And I say quarterbacks because Cleveland, again, looks like they're looking quarterback, looks like Carson Wentz is the guy there. And we all know the story there. I've been yelling about this guy for a year, so glad that he's being looked at as the number one quarterback on a board. But now we're hearing more and more about the Chargers at number three. There's a lot of talk that they're looking toward a Jalen Ramsey, or maybe they're looking for a pass rusher. Something on defense that's going to give them that, that edge, something that that Chargers defense kind of lacked that playmaking, playmaking ability and really kind of scaring some other teams. But now you've got to wonder, with the Chargers, with, with another quarterback, Jared Goff, who is being looked at as a top prospect as well, and the Cowboys possibly looking quarterback at four as a long-term replacement for Tony Romo, that this is the more likely place where we're going to see a trade happen. Someone's going to be willing to give up a large amount of picks or maybe, maybe an extra pick in next year's drafts. Maybe the, the Chargers move down the board a little bit, maybe say five to ten spots, but come away with a couple extra picks, one being a, another first-round pick that they can use in next, next year's draft and actually have two in that 2017 draft. So, again, we're talking about the Chargers, a team that uh, looks like it's going to be moving locations, and, you know, the Rams have already moved to Los Angeles. The Chargers kind of have some um, things in place. It looks like they could be a team that, that's on the move as well. They've long been rumored to be a team on the out. So the Chargers would – you know, it's a good time for them to make a splash if they're trying to really <clears throat> get some, I'd say, fan loyalty or that, that, that fan base excited in a new city like, like Los Angeles, not being far from San Diego. But again, if they're looking to make that splash, this is a good time to do it. They can, they've, they've got the opportunity either in this draft or the next to acquire some extra picks and really kind of get those standout college players that are going to make that makes some people excited. Maybe some teams that are on the fence are could be saying, "Yep, this is the team we're going to cheer for." So it's a very, very interesting time to be a San Diego Charger fan. So we'll kind of jump right in. Um, again, we do have Laramie Tunsil from Old Miss as his top pick. <clears throat> Excuse me, Carson Wentz going at number two, uh, quarterback to the Cleveland Browns. And where, where it's getting interesting, again, we have the Chargers at number three. Jalen Ramsey looks to be the choice there. One, is Ramsey more of a safety? Is he more of a, of a cornerback? You know, with his size, the fact that he's going to be playing close to 200 pounds, he's six foot one, but his athletic ability is just off the charts. He definitely has the athletic ability to be a corner, but he's so long and moves so well and has such a good feel for the secondary. One is to wonder, and I believe that free safety is going to be more of a natural fit for Jalen Ramsey. And the Chargers could be looking there. Again, Eric Weddle has been the face of that franchise on defense, and it looks like he is going to be uh, no longer a Charger. It's going to free up a lot of money for the for the Chargers. And, and 
kind of maybe looking for someone on defense that can be a defensive leader within maybe two, three years down the road. But again, with so much emphasis on the quarterback position in this league, Jared Goff is going to be out there. Teams are going to be wanting to maybe leap, leapfrog some others, get ahead of the Cowboys at four and ensure that that next quarterback is actually on their roster because there's some good quarterbacks here, but the, the drop-off right now, it seems, between Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and then you have the rest of the field. So teams that are really quarterback hungry, this looks like the place where we're going to see some action. Don't know if San Diego will ultimately pull the trigger, but you can't tell me they're not going to hear some interesting offers. There's going to be things on the table. So the Chargers to do a three, and, and you've you got to think that someone is going to and I just say someone because I believe there's going to be multiple teams that are going to give the Chargers what they would consider fair or even value that they just can't pass up on. The question is, which deal will they ultimately turn to? Now, there's no guarantee that the Cowboys would actually go quarterback at four. Again, Miles Jack, that's a player that we've had plugged in as a pick for the Cowboys for some time. I think even Jalen Smith, before the news of his unfortunate injury and had just how devastating it was kind of came to light that maybe he was being plugged in as a player for the Cowboys or the Jacksonville Jaguars at five. So Jack may be going to the Cowboys at four. And this is just a defense that has been in need of better play at linebacker. They, they have some good players there. Rolando McClain has, looks like he'll be moving on. He, he's, he's given them a lot at the linebacker position you also got to look at the fact that Sean Lee has been very productive, um, but, but keeping him on the field has been a problem. So the Cowboys have a little bit of avoided quarterback. Um, I'm sorry, at linebacker. And then the fact that they just there's just so many games that have been missed by injury that the, the Cowboys, who look to have really concentrated on the defensive line in the last draft, may be looking for the back half of that front seven and looking at linebacker in this draft, while we'll still be looking for some pass rushers. Again, a.k.a. DeMarcus Ware. Haven't really replaced him, and look at that. DeMarcus has his Super Bowl ring. As a member of the Broncos in this past season, as he played second fiddle to Vaughn Miller with his uh, MVP performance in the Super Bowl with, with uh, two and a half sacks and two forced fumbles. I think we're really going to see Defense prevail uh, as uh, at number five. The, the Jaguars, you know, they still looking for that pass rushing threat. They thought they had it last year with with Dante Fowler, and maybe they still do. Uh, third overall pick for the Jaguars, Fowler, about 15, 20 minutes into his season last year, tears his ACL, goes down for the year. This is a perfect opportunity for them to get another pass rushing threat, a player like Joey Bosa maybe even someone in the secondary, maybe a Vernon Hargraves. If Jalen Ramsey is actually passed up upon, if another team is actually willing to be a trade partner with the Chargers and Ramsey's suddenly available, you got to think that uh, Jalen Ramsey's a pretty good choice here. But I think for the Jaguars, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I'm not so sure they're going to be getting the best player as in they want to get the best player that's going to make an impact now. They're still picking too high in the draft. This is the make it or break it for Gus Bradley. I think if we see the Jaguars get out of the blocks very, very slow, um, they're not competitive in the AFC Central, which 
we've seen doesn't really take a lot in these last couple of years. Gus Bradley, I think, could be the first guy that we see out this year. Usually about four to five games into the season, we see a, a team that kind of starts off on the wrong foot. The chemistry is not right in the, in the locker room, and we do see somebody that is removed. So I think it's, it's very important for the Jaguars to get off on the right foot because I think Gus Bradley is a candidate to be that person if things don't get turned around there. The Jaguars have given him a lot of chances, a lot of opportunity, and that team has responded. Uh, Blake Bortles had a, had a great season. Uh, we're seeing a little more explosion on offense. Where we're, we're seeing these uh, receivers start to step up. Allen Robinson seems to develop the chemistry, but it's just not transpired into as many wins that's what the front office is looking for. They are competitive now. Now I think this has to be the year the Jaguars turn the corner. And I think they got to play 500 football or, or around 500 football in order for Bradley to secure his job. So for this draft, they're looking for a guy that's going to be able to come in and make an impact right away. Maybe not the best player. They don't want a guy that they're going to have to keep on that roster for two, three seasons before he really makes an impact, get the guy with the, quote, best upside. They want someone that's going to step in and make a difference right now. I think because of that, Joey Bosa, who we've had as the top prospect in this entire draft for the entire season, is just a godsend and is is someone that just is a natural fit for a team like Jacksonville. Uh, You then got to think at number six, uh, we've got the Baltimore Ravens, another team that seems to be – I would say very synonymous for taking the best player available regardless of position. But it kind of helps the Ravens this year in the fact that there's not just one position they're looking for. They're a team that's in desperate need of a player that's going to get to the quarterback. Terrell, uh, Terrell Suggs has been, T. Sizzle has been that guy in the past few seasons, but injuries seem to be catching up with him. Uh, some offensive line help. I think really since the days of Jonathan Ogden, there hasn't really been that big, big tackle that has just been someone you can plug in there and just totally forget about. You're not going to hear his name called because he's not going to make any dumb penalties and he's going to keep the quarterback upright. We've seen the offensive line become more of an issue for the Ravens over these past years and the fact that it's been a little bit sporadic. We see some games where, you know, the, the – Keeping Joe Flacco and this past season, we have some different quarterbacks in there. It was the first time we, we saw Flacco have some injury issues. Uh, just keep them upright. And uh, you know, I believe that the Ravens do have the best uh, the best guard in the NFL right now. Marshall Yonda has really turned into, I think, the best guard. AFC, NFC, doesn't matter. I think he is the most complete interior lineman in the NFL right now. There, there's some talent along that line. I think depth has been an issue. So you got to wonder, does a player like Ronnie Stanley enter into the fray? If Jalen Ramsey's still available, or the Ravens, they may, they, maybe they're a team that moves up to that number three spot. They don't move up as much, but they've been a team that's pulled the plug in, in the past. So maybe they are the team uh, that, that actually makes the deal. They surprise some, some people. And it, it, if the Chargers drop down from three to six, they're still in – great shape in order to take an impact player. They'll, they'll get an extra pick along the way. That would likely cause uh, that price tag would come with a, a first-round pick in next year's draft. 
and likely maybe like a third, fourth, or fifth round pick in this year's draft just for moving down three spots. That's how important this can be. Sometimes that is a difference between winning and losing or long-term success for your franchise. It could just be one or two spots in this draft. So the Ravens are a team that could be on the move, but in either direction. That's what makes this draft a chess match and so compelling uh, as we look at it. You also got to think then the 49ers. They're sitting there at seven. Can they really afford to sit at number seven, wait for that quarterback to drop to them? It's been assumed for so long that this is where Jared Goff goes. It seems like the most natural fit. But, again, teams will be clamoring for quarterbacks. Who's going to want to jump into that number three spot, be, become a trade partner with San Diego? Potentially the, the Cowboys thinking that they'll buck, they'll buck the system and go after that quarterback early. Maybe Goff isn't even there. And then, of course, we've had plenty of talk of Colin Kaepernick. Is he on the roster? Is he not on the roster? Uh, with Chip Kelly coming in, does he want that mobile quarterback? Is Colin, Colin Kaepernick the guy for him? Seemed like a natural fit. There was a lot of interest in Kaepernick when Chip Kelly was still with the Eagles. So maybe he gets his guy here. Blaine Gabbert did not perform too bad for the 49ers down the stretch, enough to at least be entered into the conversation for being the quarterback uh, for this season. So you got to wonder, maybe they, they look elsewhere. Uh, the, the 49ers certainly have more problems than just quarterback with that roster. Uh, this was a team that was just in utter disarray. Maybe I, I would, I'd put it on par with a Cleveland as far as chaos goes. They, they kind of win that award for AFC, most chaotic franchise, NFC, most chaotic franchise, without a doubt, the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe they start to get some defensive help. A lot of players who've retired there over the last few seasons. Maybe they get that stud offensive lineman. Maybe this is a little early for Laquan Treadwell. Maybe they, they possibly trade back. There, Literally, you can make about six or seven cases for either who the 49ers will take or what their actual philosophy is going to be. Do they just stay at seven? Do they move up? Do they move down? So many things the 49ers can do. This, to me right now, outside of the situation at number three that seems to be developing of a potential trade, to me that is the most interesting because I think there are just so many different scenarios for the 49ers that, and not only, not only there's, is there a number of directions they can go, but people are still trying to get the philosophy. What is Chip Kelly and this regime really going to be looking to do? Of course, they're still going to be evaluating their their roster. It's going to be new to Kelly as he assembles these coaches and, and what they're going to be looking for. But there's just so much mystery surrounding this pick uh, where they're actually going to go. Rounding out the top ten, we've got Miami and Tampa. We're going to stay in the state of Florida for eight and nine. And I think it's a little bit similar for both teams. I think the Dolphins probably – uh, end up with Vernon Hargraves, the, the slam dunk pick here. Everyone sees him as the number two player available in the secondary, but probably the top corner since Jalen Ramsey of Florida State looks like he could be a, a free safety. With Hargraves, you're getting a, a top a top flight corner and also a top flight corner with some excellent returnability. I think that maybe there are some teams who think that he's a little overvalued, but at this point, 
I don't think you're going to find too many teams that, that don't think that he is the top natural corner in this draft. But I think there are some teams who think that uh, he, he's just not a top ten pick. I personally think that this is a guy with top five talent, and getting him at eight is a natural fit. You're like, you're talking about the Dolphins, who with Brent Grimes at, I believe, 34 years old, has been the, the best player in the secondary. So there does need to be a youth movement. There does need to be an infusion of good young players, especially in the secondary. This is just seems to be a slam dunk for Miami. And at nine, with Tampa Bay, it's not really a case of who they're going to take. Really, it is who they're going to take. I think we're all looking at pass rushers. At this point, this could really signal to me maybe a run at a certain position. And I think it's going to be the defensive ends and the linebackers who are just seen as edge rushers who really concentrate or are seen as specialists in getting at the quarterback. This is where it all begins. Because you look at the teams immediately behind Tampa Bay, you've got New York at 10. The Giants, of course, uh, finished last in the NFL in, in terms of sacks. We know the, the Jason Pierre-Paul situation, the amount of money they were willing to give him, and the fact that he wasn't able to get to the quarterback, only had one sack last year. The Chicago Bears and the never-ending carousel of talent that is needed there along the, the, the defensive, well, I was going to say front seven, but just anywhere. New Orleans at 12, same thing. Uh, that may, both lines, they may have had the worst offensive line in the NFL last season, and the defensive line was just not that special either. But it could be where this is a team that, that needs a little more more help or getting that anchor. This is maybe where we see a defensive tackle. But again, there's a, there's a couple of very good defensive tackles that will be at the top of this draft that are not just those stay-at-home 320, 330-pound nose tackled types. We're going to see some players up top, especially a player like Sheldon Rankins out of Louisville, that can actually get to the quarterback. That's going to be able to create havoc. And if, if he's not able to get sacks himself, it's going to be able to put enough pressure on a quarterback or maybe allow players around him to actually get some sacks as maybe some more attention is focused along the middle of the line. So those next four teams, I would say, on the draft board <clears throat> all have a pressing need at getting to the quarterback. So we're going to see the floodgates open up. So players like Emmanuel Ogba of, of Oklahoma State, Noah Spence, the Ohio State transfer that ended up going to Eastern Kentucky and being the Ohio Valley Conference player, defensive player of the year and just causing havoc galore and, and really cutting his teeth and showing at the Senior Bowl why – it's one of the elite talents at the NFL level. Uh, again, we, we mentioned Sheldon Rankins. We're going we're to see him. Uh, you're going to look at some of the Alabama players in the, in the middle of the line, those defensive tackle types. Jaron Reed, um, Ashawn Robinson are, are going to be players that are going to be looked at. Maybe even Leonard Floyd, who I think could be sneaking up there as a, another outside linebacker type that's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to do it consistently. Uh, this is maybe where we start seeing him um, kind of hear his name called, maybe even Robert Namichi, uh, the fact that it's been so publicized of the, of the troubles he had and the fact that he was able to admit that he was at least drinking, uh, but the, the reports of him using marijuana and being 
um, charged with possession maybe are, are not as true. He was not able to kind of own up to that fact, but he did throw that Laramie Tunsil, that player of his, under the bus, per se, saying that he was actually in the hotel room with him. And again, Tunsil's a guy that's been looked at as the top prospect overall or likely number one choice going to Tennessee. So I think there's a lot of teams that are really questioning the character of uh, Namichi, even though this is a guy that has top five talent overall. Um, if you've listened to uh, Jared in our past uh, uh, pros- or podcasts, I think that's the player that he's liked more than any. I think that uh, is a player that he thought might have been the best player on this entire board and had him ranked number one going into the season. So maybe there's a team out there, a team like maybe you get a little lower, maybe the Detroit Lions at 16 that really start to give him a look. Uh, but this is where we're going to start to hear his name. Hopefully he doesn't slip too far. I don't think he goes out of round one, but it could be the mid-20s. Maybe a team like Seattle or Green Bay, uh, if he ultimately falls that far, are just not going to be able to pass up the overall athletic ability that a, a 6'4", 300-pound guy that can line up at end and tackle and even played some offense. We've seen him catching some passes, being a red zone threat, scoring some touchdowns is going to be able to provide at the NFL level. Moving on with some other players or teams that we're going to hear about, we're going to see the Raiders at 14. Maybe they get another, I'd say, presence with Khalil Mack, who has really developed into one of the elite defensive talents and someone who we said a couple years ago should have been the first overall pick. The Texans actually should have taken him maybe instead of a Jadavion Clowney and uh, really stepped up his game and was a Pro Bowl player last year and among the NFL sack leaders. Maybe they get someone to kind of complement a player like Khalil Mack. So teams are not just focused on putting so much attention to that side of the football field. But uh, it seems like a more natural fit for cornerback, a player like uh, Mackenzie Alexander, maybe even Eli Apple. Uh, seems a little bit high for him, the the cornerback out of Ohio State, but the Raiders look like another prime candidate, a team that could really benefit from trading back because the two positions they'll really be looking at, and there's been such a run, at this point we're anticipating a run on the pass rushers, maybe they can drop back five to ten picks and still get the guy they're looking for, or there's probably only be two players in the secondary off the board the difference between, say, a number three corner and a number five corner at this point are not going to be very big. So again, the Raiders could think, hey, let's move back a couple of spots. We're still going to get the player we're looking at or a player that's just below him, and we're going to be able to pick up some extra picks along the way. So it definitely makes a lot of sense for the Raiders to be one of those teams. Uh, other teams at the top of the board, the Rams uh, will be a 15 Laquan Treadwell, this seems to be the slam dunk here. Get that uh, wide receiver or maybe a Paxton Lynch. If Paxton Lynch gets by Philadelphia at 13, maybe this is where the Rams start looking for that quarterback. And you got to think that they're, they're a team that has the ability and the luxury to maybe make another move because they will have an extra second-round pick. Uh, they did acquire that from Philadelphia in the Sam Bradford-Nick uh, Foles trade that took place. So the Rams, with an extra pick in round two, they have a little more of a luxury to maybe reach out and take a quarterback or, or 
are going to be willing to take a player that just seems a little riskier because, again, having that extra pick is in their pocket is something that's going to be very attractive, something the Rams can use. And, again, we talked about it with San Diego. It has been confirmed they are the L.A. Rams now. Can't call them St. Louis anymore. So what a better what better way to kind of attract a fan base as you're, you're trying to get sway players, excuse me, or sway fans actually come to your side and watch your football team and getting that good young stud quarterback. So I think that's going to be uh, something that's attractive. And again, uh, talking about the Rams uh, or, or the Rams and the Lions picking at 16, looking on the interior line on defense, maybe even that offensive lineman that's kind of maybe been down the board a little bit, maybe a player like Ronnie Stanley if he drops, or we could be seeing another position one. Maybe this is where the offensive tackles start to go off the board. Because I think there's going to be a need for some of the teams that we'll see maybe picking in the the next 10 slots. This is the area where we could see maybe four or five offensive tackles go off the board. So this this could actually signal a run. Detroit actually has some... They've seen their line play improve, but they just don't have that number one guy overall. And I think that that's an area where they can really improve, kind of let some of those other players slide into some more natural spots, move Riley Weiss over at right tackle, get a a little more diversity uh, on the interior of the line. They've got some players that can play multiple positions, so maybe things settle down for the lines a little bit there. And you maybe even got to wonder if a Laquan Treadwell or another wide receiver with what we've heard of Saga surrounding Calvin Johnson. Maybe it's time that the Lions start looking for another receiving threat. Um, so many things to do at the, at, the, at the top of that draft. So we'll kind of keep it at that. And we want to look, say, a little bit more toward some actual questions that I want to take now. Uh, there's been a, a few questions that have been posed to our to our draftsite.com mailbox here that, that may have been, I'd say, uh, neglected in some of the, the last uh, the last few uh, weeks where we said we, we've, we're kind of going to get around to some questions, and I think maybe with some of the discussions we've had, they've kind of fallen by the wayside. Okay, but let's see what we got here in the old mailbag. Brian from Tennessee, and, you know, I, I want to bring this up because, Brian, you're not the only one that's asked this, but... I even had this brought to my attention from uh, Jared today. Ryan Kelly seems to be a player that more and more people are kind of asking, you know, where is he on the board? Where's Ryan Kelly at? Um, maybe some of the, that, that we have neglected. Um, wants to know why Ryan Kelly isn't higher. Uh, Kelly's a great uh, lineman, and this is someone that could be, you know, taken in, in, by the second or third round. That's essentially what this is saying. We currently have Ryan Kelly um, as one of the high-priority free agents. I just think that uh, the center out of Alabama here is is really just someone that's not a slam dunk. I mean, I, I think that Alabama players, especially linemen, are known for having a lot more mileage on them than initially advertised. Uh, it's kind of a running joke, and I've heard it in a number of circles. What they say, the two player, two things that, that you get at Alabama are championship trophies and surgeries, and I've, I've heard that on multiple occasions. 
And Ryan Kelly's just one of those players that when you really start to look at these linemen from Alabama a little closer under the microscope, per se, uh, you find a lot of medical red flags, medical issues. Nick Saban is notorious for maybe using his players a little harder than some of the other top coaches at the uh, NCAA level. And, you know, they, um, as you start to kick the tires on these prospects, you start to see that um, maybe you've got a player that's, again, been rode harder than, than a lot of the other uh, prospects at his position. While it may, some coaches might subscribe to the theory that, hey, this makes them a little more NFL-ready. They've seen a lot more situations. Alabama, of course, you've played against top-flight top talent. About two-thirds of the games they'll play during the year against teams that are ranked or against teams where, where players are going to have multiple pro prospects. They're playing at a high level. But again, you, you, you don't want to coddle your players, but you don't want to overuse them. And Alabama's been kind of famous for maybe overusing them. Uh, players from that university not having the longevity as some others um, at, the, at their posi- respective positions. So I think that in the next version, which will be published within the next day or two, we will see Ryan Kelly on the board here. He's a, he's a guy that's definitely draftable, uh, is, is definitely probably going to hear his name called, but I don't think it's the slam dunk that people have been telling me via email and our, our inbox here. But I'm going to say that that's a loss for DJ. I think you're right. As of right now, I think that he's someone that should be in on the draft board. And I don't know if this is just a guy that more people, either there's been some Alabama fans not happy that he's there. It's happened in the past where sometimes we get a, an agent or members of a player's family who have actually seen our site and are maybe a little bit despondent about where their their actual family member or person that they're looking for is not as high or in, not in the draft process at all. And we start to get emails from not, not just them, but maybe three or four other people close to the situation. So that might be what's happening here. Also, we have Sean from Philadelphia asking about Will Fuller. Uh, where's Will Fuller? Looks like a first-round prospect, especially running his 4.32 at the Combine. Come on, you guys need to put him a little higher up the draft board. Well, actually, you're right. He's a player that I am not as high on. You can't just go by overall speed. Uh, we saw that players like Devin Smith maybe in this past past year where you're able to just put up a smoking, maybe a low 4.3 time, maybe a high 4.2. Teams are going to start to drool. They draft them, but you know, what do they actually do at the next level? Uh, the Jets end up taking uh, Devin Smith, but <clears throat> look at Stephen Hill, a guy they took a few years back, a guy that was looked at as fourth or fifth round talent, runs a blazing 40, becomes a second round prospect, and he's no longer around. Uh, we're talking about the tall wide receiver from Georgia Tech that really never made his splash or impact there. So I think Fuller has a lot of upside. Obviously playing at Notre Dame, he faced a lot of great talent, made a lot of big plays, but you also want to look at the plays that he didn't make. This is a player that drops a lot of passes. We're not talking about a a pass here, a pass there. He drops a lot of passes. Uh, Some routes that seem to be maybe a little bit rounded or maybe not quite as polished as some of his counterparts that he's going to be up against in this draft board. So, but, but then again, I think Fuller is in a very unique position where maybe he's a guy, he's 
one of those those players that could be targeted at the end of round one, if he's not if he has not actually heard his name called, this is a player that teams are going to say, hey, we've, we've got to move up and get him. We don't think he's going to be around in round two. Let's put a package together and get the player that we're really after. And, of course, if you're taken at the end of round one, you're usually going to a team that has made the playoffs the prior season. There's probably a little bit more depth. And for a player like Fuller, it looks like a fantastic number two receiver at the next, at the next level. I don't think we're ever going to see Will Fuller develop, develop into a number one target. But he's got so much speed. He's got uh, decent size, decent hands. Uh, he's just got to get that consistency together. And the fact that he can go to a team that maybe already has an established receiver, maybe start out as a number three, number four option, he's got the speed to be a vertical threat, and maybe kind of work his way into a starting role a year or two down the road where he's a number two option. While I may not like Fuller as much, he really seems to be in a good position. The fact that he throws up a 4-3-2 at the combine, he's now acquiring that late round one, I'd say, attention. I still think right now without, without trades being factored into our mocks that he's more likely a top of round two, maybe middle of round two at the very lowest prospect. But again, we always see four or five players that we hear about being targets of multiple teams at the end of the first round. This guy's one of them. Uh, I think that, that Fuller, as long as he doesn't absolutely lay a complete dud of an egg at his pro day, uh, should be in that, in that realm. But with the time that he, that he threw up at the combine, this is a player that's going to say, I'll, I'll run some routes at my pro day. You'll see the interaction with the quarterback and what I'm able to do, but I don't think we're going to see Fuller go anywhere near the 40. Not going to risk jeopardizing him falling down in the eyes of some teams. I think his numbers are, are going to be so good that it would really, really behoove him to kind of sit on those numbers and not try and risk anything, throw up a, an even slower time and make some teams wonder if he really has as much speed as advertised. So thank you. Very good questions there. And again, we'll get to some more uh, in the coming weeks. But I think we're going to end this po- podcast right now. We gave you a lot to chew on at the, at the top, top half of the draft board, what's going on at the combine, potential changes that are coming there, where we're going to hear some of these teams. With our next call, I think we're going to jump a little more into the nuts and bolts about individual needs of every team. Not so much this is where your team is picking. This is who they're looking at. We're going to look at the individual needs of each team, and some of those needs are going to be changing as we're going to have some surprise names of teams, uh, players that they're going to be cutting, maybe some free agent signings that are, that are going to happen a little bit further down the road. At maybe there's a particular area where your team is lacking, team is really kind of looking for um, potential help at an area, you think they're going there in the draft, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they go out and they make a splash, they, they spend a lot of money on that big-name free agent, changes their draft, their draft strategy and where they're going to look. So we're going to take a little more of a look, kind of deep dive into the current rosters of every team and where they could be looking on our next podcast. But that's all we have for now. Thank you very much, as always, for joining. Again, come, out, come on out to draftsite.com. 
We're going to continue to give you everything you need for the draft. We're under two months to go. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. I've been here before But always hit the floor I've spent a lifetime running And I always get away But with you I'm feeling something That makes me want to stay I'm prepared for this I never shoot to miss But I feel like a storm is coming If I'm gonna make it through the day Then there's no more use in running This is something I gotta face Give it.